y'all physical today. Amen. 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 For those of you who didn't, just look at that person and say, don't judge me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't judge me. Amen. Thank God for you bringing your physical Bible. All standing if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's a word from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe in this season, and this is for someone, that the turmoil you've been experiencing in your relationship, in your marriage, no, Holy Spirit says soon to be, you're not married yet, but the turmoil you've been experiencing, God is bringing reconciliation. It's bringing reconciliation. It's trying to bring you to a place of covenant agreement. And the Lord says, if you would obey, if you would obey his word, if you would finally commit to the thing that God has placed you in, then the blessings from heaven will begin to flow. He's waiting on your agreement, on your commitment. He's breaking the generational curse that has come upon your family. Mom and dad were never married. Grandpa and grandma weren't married. God says he's breaking that curse. He's bringing you into a covenant agreement. He's breaking that cycle. But he's waiting for you to obey. He's waiting for you to obey. Father, we thank you now for unity and thank you for your covenant. Father, we bless you and we thank you. God, we give you glory for what you're doing in their lives. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Vincent Van Gogh said this. He said, I dream of painting, and then I painted my dream. During his lifetime, Vincent Van Gogh only sold one painting, one portrait his entire life. He painted over 750, close to 900 paintings. Uh, Some still have yet to be revealed. But he painted a lot of portraits during his lifetime, but no one ever accepted them. He was rejected his entire life. After Vincent van Gogh died, his paintings would sell for over $750 million. In his lifetime, he only sold one. People rejected him. Vincent van Gogh was more valuable dead than he was alive. I want to talk to somebody today. You, you, you've been devalued by people. People have overlooked you. People have pushed you down, pushed you to the side. And, and you feel not valuable or not worthy. Some people even wish you were dead. And, and with their titles and uh, of the, their view of you, they try to place you in a grave by putting titles on you. 
But what they did not realize, help me, Holy Ghost, that, that you were a seed being planted in the ground. And, and the moment they tried to put you down, God was pushing you up to bloom and to blossom. They rejected you. They despised you. They overlooked you. But you were rejected by them only to be accepted by him. Hey, glory to the Lamb. Vincent Rango was more valuable in his death than he was alive. You're more valuable to the kingdom of God. Watch this. In your death, not your physical death, but because you chose to die to yourself. God says, because you gave your life unto me, you, you chose to die to yourself. And because of that death, you have become, turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm valuable. I'm, I'm val-. You're not talking to your neighbor. Find another one and say, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Matter of fact, tell yourself, I'm more valuable even that, than I realize. I'm, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Grab your Bibles, Gospel of John chapter number 8. I'll try to press my way quickly. Gospel of John chapter number 8. I tell you what, yeah, thank you, Holy Ghost. Instead of John chapter number 8, give me 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 4. And then hold your finger there. We're going to dance over to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms chapter or number 118 and verse number 22. I'm going to forgo our faith declaration for the sake of time. You have the book of Psalms, number 118, say, I have it. Verse number 22, say, I'm there. If you're waiting for me to put it on the screen, say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. The word of God declares the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The one that was rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. Without a cornerstone, the building can't stand. Without a cornerstone, the cornerstone is the strength and the integrity of the whole building. If you, if you diminish the integrity of the cornerstone, then the building has no strength. If a car runs into the cornerstone of the building, then it's possible the whole building will eventually fall to the ground. Unless it's reinforced. And the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Speaking of Jesus, can I tell you something this morning? Uh, some rejections were for your protection. God had to make sure that you got rejected in certain circles because he knew if you were accepted in that circle, then you being accepted in that circle meant death unto you. So he had to make sure that you didn't get accepted. Some of you ought to thank God that you didn't get the job that you got. You ought to thank God that you didn't move to that city that you hoped to move to. You ought to thank God that, watch this, you didn't buy that car that you were hoping to buy because there was a recall on the brakes. And if you'd have got that car, you'd have ran into somebody. You ought to thank God for the rejection. That they denied you for that loan for that house. Because you didn't know it had faulty foundation and termites. Some rejection is for your protection. Jump over to 1 Peter. 
The book of First Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious unto him. Can I bring it home to your front door? Uh, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by your neighbors, by your family, by your co-workers, but you were chosen by God because you are precious unto him. <laughs> Stay with me. Uh, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, and your peers, but you were still chosen by God. Why? Because you're precious to him. Somebody shout, I've been chosen. I want to talk to you for a brief moment. Chosen. Tell your neighbor, I've been chosen. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for this moment in your word. And Father, we thank you, oh God, that you chose us before we even chose ourselves. So Father, we bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Slap hot five with your name before you see it and say, I've been chosen. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. Steve Job created this company called Apple. And, and Apple had become the claim to fame. They, uh, Apple had grew and grew and grew. And even in all of its success, Steve Job got fired from his own company of which he created. Got fired from the very thing he created. Could you imagine creating a company and the company grow and then the people who you employed in that company come against you and put you out of your own? The people whose lives you changed and you changed their social status, you changed their economic status. Steve Joe made millionaires in his company. Then they turned their backs on him and fired him from his own company. Steve Joe wouldn't quit, though. He still was an innovator. Steve Job decided to continue on and never quit. Matter of fact, he said, I had been rejected, but I was still in love. So I decided to start over. Even though he was rejected in this place, Steve Job didn't allow that experience to deter him from success. He went on to start other companies like uh, Pixar. Y'all, y'all ever heard of Pixar? They, they make all of these uh, animated movies. And uh, I think like Toy Story was a Pixar movie and uh, Monsters was a, toy, uh, was a Pixar movie. And he went on to make millions of dollars. But then Steve decided to come together with another group of people and they created this thing called the iPod. Y'all remember the iPod? The iPod. There were other MP3 players at the time, but they were not as sexy as the iPod. Can Can I say sexy in here? It was sleek and it was nice. It was fine. It was it. It was sexy. It was just white headphones. It's a little white case. But it wasn't nothing major about the iPod. It didn't have fancy graphics. It was plain. But it was sexy. Can I help you ladies out? Sometimes we just like it plain, y'all. You ain't got to put all the makeup on, the extra extension. I can't even see your eyes from the flutter. I want to gaze into them, but this is all I see. Can't even come in for a kiss because you're brushing me on the forehead with them. It's 
just playing. The iPod was playing. But, but they cre- he created something that was so sleek and so, so sexy. Amen. And, and he went on to, when he introduced this idea back to Apple, they hired him back in. Of course, you know, and Apple became very uh, famous and started making even more millions and millions, yet even billions of dollars. And even though he was rejected, Here's the word rejection. The word rejection, according to Cambridge uh, Dictionary, says the act of refusing to accept, to use, or believe someone or something. Some of you have possibly experienced such great rejection from other people. And if you had not experienced this type of rejection, maybe you did and you didn't know it. Maybe while you were formed and fashioned, knitted in your mother's womb, maybe your mother rejected you by the simple statement of, I wish I never had this child. That, that, that I, I, I wish I was never pregnant. Uh, maybe you hadn't heard those with your own physical ears, but mama declared it while you were in the womb. Maybe daddy said this was a mistake. Or maybe he said, I'm not the baby daddy. Rejection. 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 Maybe mama thought about aborting you, but thank God she didn't. Rejection. Rejection. Rejection is that type of thing when it comes into your life is that we, we, we have this sense of uh, a lack of worth when we reject it. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't in, your, in the womb mama spoke of it. Maybe you applied for a job and uh, you were denied. Maybe you applied for a house and uh, you were denied. Maybe you tried out for a team, basketball, football, volleyball, baseball, uh, whatever it was, and you did not get accepted. Rejection. We all, if we're honest today, have experienced rejection in some form or fashion. One way or another, we've been rejected. The Bible says that Jesus, he, he, uh, he's very familiar with our infirmities. You know, Jesus was rejected. Not just later on in his life, but Mary rejected him. She was like, at first, you know, this can't be possible. I can't be pregnant. For I know not a man. Joseph rejected him because Joseph was like, no, this can't be possible. She can't be pregnant because we know not one another. Jesus felt this sense in the womb of rejection by his own mother and earthly father. Rejection. Rejection. Rejection is tough. It's tough. Rejection will come into your life and you'll have this sense of uh, not being chosen. And watch what happens. You'll feel, I have no worth. I have no worth because they didn't accept me. I don't feel that I'm acceptable. I have no worth. But but not only that, but even when he comes to choose you and he makes the choice to choose you, you may have that struggling feeling of being chosen. What what are you saying, apostle? He chose you, but you don't feel like you're chosen. You begin to look at yourself and say, well, how can God use me? Or you look at yourself and you look in the mirror and people tell you that you're beautiful and that you look great. But you say, no, I got these blemishes and these spots and I I need to lose a little weight, maybe a little liposuction. My, my, My legs are too big and I don't like my nose and my ears are too 
you know, and people look at you and say, you're beautiful, but you can't see it. They'll tell you you're smart. You're, you're, oh, you're the smartest. And you say, oh, no, my, my brother, he's, he's smarter than me. He makes straight A's. Rejection. It's one thing for others to reject you, but it's another thing for you to reject yourself. Somebody shot, I've been chosen. And we struggle with the fact that God has chosen us. That in spite of the mistakes we have made, in spite of our infirmities, our afflictions, and all the things that we go through in life, God still chooses you. Somebody shout, I've been chosen. Tell your neighbor, I've been chosen. Look what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter number one, verse number three. It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. For he, here it is, for he chose us in him before the creation. Somebody shall have been chosen. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. Watch. He chose us before the foundation. Did you not know you will have a birth and an expiration date assigned to your life? You will have a birth date of which you came into the earth realm and you will have an expiration. Uh, expiration date of when you expire and you leave the earth realm so there will be a time where you come in and you go out and the scripture says God knew us before watch this the date of birth not only did he know you but he chose you he chose you before you came out he also chose you before you ever sinned Uh, God You know why? Because he knew all the stuff you would go through, but he still chooses you. When you do expire, there will be a tombstone placed at the head of your corpse, and it will have the date that you were born, it will have the date that you expire, and right in the middle, there'll be this little thing called a dash. The day you started and the day you ended. Watch, God is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the God who knows your beginning and he is the God that knows your end. But I got another thing for you, beloved. He also knows that little dash in between. Everything you did from the time that you were born all the way to the time that you will die. The day that you expire, God knows everything about your life. He knew it about your life before your life ever came into existence and yet though he know what you would go through what you would do and how you would fail God still chose you he knows your beginning and your end and everything of your life before your life ever came into existence and in spite of all of that he still chooses you to my shout I've been chosen he called us holy and blameless before we even had blame he, he called us holy before we were even unholy. That's what God calls you. In love, watch, watch, I'm not done. In love, for watch, for he chooses us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, verse number five, it says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and 
his will to the praises of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Somebody shout, I've been chosen. So if we talk, as we talk today about being chosen, Jesus at the tomb, when he was resurrected, as we just experienced the resurrection, he rolled the stone away by his spirit. So the tomb, the tomb indicates to us an invitation to everlasting life. What are you saying, apostle? The tomb is an invitation to everlasting life. That not only did the stone roll away, but he took the stone away. Go, go read your Bible, because uh, when they came to the tomb, Mary, uh, she looked at the tomb uh, as they were approaching the tomb. They asked the question, who's going to roll the stone away? And, and here it was when they got there, the stone was it was moved, but not only was it moved, but it was gone. You know what that tells me is that that tomb, that portal was an open invite. For you to enter into eternity any time that you choose. He was giving us an invitation to everlasting life signifying I am removing the obstacles that will prevent you from coming to me. If it's a boulder, get out the way. If it's a molehill, move. If it's a mountain, move. I don't want anything to prevent you from coming into my presence. I don't want anything that will hinder you from thinking that I am accepting you at any moment. Somebody shall have been chosen. John the Baptist had some disciples. And the gospel of John chapter number one says the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They followed him. They followed him. It says, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked the question, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus responds, he says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him, it was about four in the afternoon, it was. And then watch how it, it concludes in verse number 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two and who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41, it says, the first thing Andrew did. Somebody shout the first thing. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah. Can I insert something parenthetically into the text that I hope it reaches your, your hearing ears right now? The first thing you should do when you come in encounter with Jesus is tell somebody else. For some of you today, Jesus is going to touch your heart. You're going to make a decision to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. The first thing you ought to do is go echo that in the streets. I think that's one of the reasons why people who give their life to Christ end up falling and backsliding is because they don't make a public declaration of Jesus being the Lord of their life. I'll say it again because you didn't catch it. Or maybe you just don't believe it. Because there's no accountability at that point. You, you accept him in private 
But you live a public life of which you have not declared of what happened in private in public. So now there's no one to hold you accountable. So now you continue living your life the way you once lived it. And there's no one to tell you otherwise because they don't see no difference. But the moment you say Jesus is Lord, you best believe they say, I thought you was a Christian. You know how it is when you go to cut somebody out. It's all way, but I thought you was a Christian. You, you know, you get bad, you want to flip somebody off at the, at the red light because they cut you off. You, and, and, and they would say, I thought you was a. Y'all don't want to speak to me today. But the first thing he did was he ran and he told somebody. And he went and he said, we found the Messiah. Now, you must understand the culture and the time that they live in and the people who the text is talking about. The text is talking about Jewish people. And in their culture during that time, uh, you ever heard of this thing called a bar uh, the mitzvah is, in their culture is, is that uh, when the, the, the young boys reach a certain age, it is called, it's like the rites of passage. They're coming into manhood. And what they do is at that moment is once they have this bar mitzvah, it's a declaration, of, I'm a man now. But in order to get to this point, uh, the, the Jewish young boy, uh, what the Jewish Jew is, is that they ra- raise up their children in the way that they should go. So when they're, they're older, they won't depart. So they have this kind of like this test. They have to learn the first five books of the Bible. And not just learn them. Not just cherry pick through the scriptures and just kind of find one or two memory verses. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. Somebody shout, wow. You can name one scripture and give scripture reference and they can recite it to you right off the bat. From the age of three, the, the, old enough to start learning, all the way to age of 12. And when they hit that 12-year-old mark, they're now marked by their knowledge of the word of God. If they don't know the first five books, watch, they are rejected. So every Jewish child is raised to be a teacher of the word. And if they're not a teacher of the word, then they are now, how can I say it? They're now thrust into a family business or they have to go to work. Peter was a fisherman. Reason why he is not a rabbi is because he could not learn what he needed to learn at the time he needed to learn it. So now he has to go into the family business of fishing. Why am I telling you all that? It's because Peter was rejected. Oh, but Jesus steps on the scene. And those who were rejected, he comes to accept. Ah, Jesus comes on the scene and says, Peter, I know you've been rejected, but I'm here now to accept you. Now watch, at the age of four, from 12 to 14, and, and, as they experience the boy mitzvah, at which point now they get to choose their own rabbi. They get to make the choice of who is going to teach me. That's why Andrew is so excited because he's running. He says, man, I found us a teacher. Woo, we got us one, Peter, finally, we got us a teacher, one who's going to overlook our failures and our flaws. We got us one. We got us one. Come, I think we found the Messiah, the Christ. But here's the thing. The choice wasn't theirs. Because Jesus didn't come to be chosen. 
He came to choose. Ah, oh, y'all missed that. He, he, he didn't come for you to choose him. He came so he could choose you. He, he didn't come so you can look at him and say, oh, that's the one I want. You know how it is on, on the basketball court. You look for the tallest one, the most athletic one. You look for the one, the most skillful one. You look at him and say, oh, give me him. Give me, give me him. No, Jesus said, I don't want you to say give me me because I'm coming to give me you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want, I want you. I want you and you and you and you and you and you. I want you. I'm not looking for you to choose me because I already chose you. And I know what the world has said about you and all the titles they have put upon you. But you've been chosen for more. Tell your neighbor, I've been chosen for more. See, when you're chosen for more, it's a reminder, it's a reminder of God's love for you. The fact that he chose you is a reminder that he loves you. Not only is it a reminder of God's love, but it's also an invitation to participate in God's plan for your life. What do you mean an invitation? God did not call you to be a pew warmer. Actually, if, if y'all would catch this, he didn't call you to be a church attender. He called you to be a church presenter. That, that you would come and present the church to a dying world. You have been chosen to participate. Uh, when, when you're chosen, chosen for more, that it provides a sense of purpose. You now have purpose. Tell your neighbor I have purpose. You got to know this is because every day you wake up, you're waking, awakening into the purpose of God, into his purpose and his plan and his will for your life. You awaken to that purpose. Not only that, but this chosen for more, it provides a new perspective of freedom. I wish I had about five free people that didn't mind jumping to their feet and shouting that I've been chosen. I mean, just five. That's I need about five of you that would jump to your feet and shout, I've been chosen. I've been chosen. I've been chosen. I've been chosen for more. I've been chosen for more than what I see. I've been chosen for more than what you see. I've been chosen in spite of the way you look at me, in spite of the way you think about me. I've been chosen for more. I've been chosen. Been chosen. And we see at the tomb when Jesus is resurrected, he tells us in Mark chapter 16, it says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. He says, go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. He says, go tell his disciples and Peter. Why does the text single out Peter? Why does the text of all the disciples that Jesus has, why does it single out Peter? Peter, who was once rejected by his own, now accepted by the beloved, who is now, watch this, denying Jesus. Y'all remember Peter, right? The one who denied Jesus three times? You remember Peter, the one who cut off the man's ear? You remember Peter, the one who went back fishing? That Peter, he says, remind Peter that he's still chosen. He said, don't forget about Peter. Let Peter know. I know Peter turned his back on me. I know Peter now is doing other things than what he's supposed to be doing. But remind Peter, I still choose him. I know Peter messed up. I, I, I know Peter cut some folk out. You know, you know. Your tongue wasn't bridled in you. Let a couple of them slip. 
He said, remind Peter. I know, Peter, you messed up, but I still choose you. I know you made some mistakes, but I still choose you. I know you stole that thing and stuck in your pocket, but I still choose you. I, I, I know you fornicated, lied, and stole, but I still choose. Remind Peter that he is still chosen. Oh, if the body of believers would realize and recognize that we're still chosen by God. That he still chooses to use you. Watch this in spite of you. Can I drop something on you? You know the text that says God is no respecter of person. God don't respect you more than he respects his purpose. Oh, y'all missed that. God respects his purpose more than he respects the person. Okay. I'll bring it down to another level. God looks at you. And he puts a preeminence on his purpose above you. So in other words, in spite of you, in spite of who you are, what you have done and what you're going through, God says, my purpose is bigger than you. So I'll take you in your wretched state and I'll still use you because I have a purpose to fulfill. And I know you've done some things, but I got some people I need to reach. And you're the only one close enough to reach them. You're the only one to have enough influence in their life. And I know you're messed up. I know you're alcoholic. I know you're a crackhead. I know you're a whoremonger. You're a womanizer. You're a liar. And you're a thief. But I got some people who I need to reach. And you're close to reach them. So I'm going to use you to reach them. I'm going to touch you so you can touch them. I'm going to use you so that they can see me I know that's hard for the church to realize but believe me beloved there's somebody who witnessed to you and their life wasn't entirely right at the moment there was somebody who reached out to you and preached the gospel and they were still in sin I got a question for you if you are drowning in the ocean and a known murderer dove in the ocean. Okay. If there was a racist and you were drowning in the ocean, if there was a, a molester of children and you were drowning in the ocean, if there was a known thug, criminal, and you were drowning in the ocean. And that person jumped in to save you. Would you stop them because of who they were? Would you, would you beckon for another? Would you stop in your drowning moment and say, oh. Bloop, 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 I'm drowning. Would you say, no, not you, send another? Would you say, oh, no, you can't be the one that, you can't be the one that pulled me out of this water. You can't be the one that pulled me out of this fire. You can't be the one that pushed me out of the way of this car that I'm about to get hit on. You will say, thank you, Jesus. That's what God does. He'll send somebody your way. Just to save you because of the purpose he has for your life. And if it takes an alcoholic, if it takes a dope fiend, if it takes a prostitute, it'll take whatever. God will use a donkey to keep your head from getting cut off from a flaming sword. God will use whomever he needs to use. Why? Because his purpose is far greater than the person. Your purpose. 
is far greater. So he reminds Peter. Why? Because Peter was rejected so that he can be accepted by Christ. Your rejection is meant for your exception in Christ. Watch this. Tell your neighbor I've been chosen for more. Watch, watch. This is what happens. Can, can y'all bring me my bags? Get my bags. Here it is. Here it is. So hold this lady. As they bring in the bags, watch. This is what happens. This is what happens. Amen. They, they fill with money, y'all. I'm prophesying. I'm prophesying. Amen. Amen. They're heavy. They're real heavy. Yeah, but give it away. Thank you. Thank Thank you, sir. So watch what happens. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Check it out. People begin to place labels. They give you their label for you. And you you carry stuff around like embarrassment because you're embarrassed about the stuff you used to do. You're embarrassed and you stuff that down in there. They they give you the label of of an orphan and you take all of these labels and you're ashamed of your past life and you're ashamed of all the things and the places you've gone and they give you the label and you feel guilty about the things you've done and you know sometimes you're even a little different you, you know you don't fit in in certain places you know God never meant for you to fit in he meant for you to stand out and, 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 and he, he meant for you to be different he he, he, he designed you to be different. Uh, it's because of your difference that it's going to make a difference in somebody's life. Y'all, y'all missed that. It, it's because of your difference that you're going to make a difference. In some, so you, you're different. They tell, oh, you're so different. You, you're weird. You, you're peculiar. And they put tires. You, you're a thief. Yes, you know, thief. Failure. You know, you, you, all of these titles that you take on, disgrace. You, you're dishon- you've done some dishonorable things, you know, some things you... You're just loading your bag up filled with stuff. You look in the mirror and you think that I'm not pretty enough. I'm ugly and, you know, not good enough. Not pretty enough. You're carrying all this stuff around. You're going through all this stuff in your life and all these titles and different things. And people tell you, you don't have enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And you feel shame. You got all these different things you're toting around. See, this is how y'all see the people next to you. You look at them and you see them by all these different titles. You hold them accountable by all of this stuff. You know, you just, that's how you, you look at people. And this is what the world sees. This is what the world sees. Watch, watch, this is what the world sees. They see you carrying all this stuff around. And they judge you by this. We call it baggage. You know how you come into a relationship, you got baggage? You you slept with more people than you have teeth in your mouth? A lot of baggage? Yep. You smoke more dope than the law allows? You got got baggage? You done lied so much, you don't even understand what it means to tell the truth. You just got all this baggage. People hold you accountable for all of this stuff. This is the way they see you. And now you're toting all of this stuff around. And God sees it too. And even though you have all of this, God still looks down and says, That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. 
Watch this. I, I feel your Holy Ghost. I need that one because they're used to carrying a lot of baggage. And that means that they're strong enough to carry it to hold whatever I put on them. <laughs> that, 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 that I can put some weight on him. I can put some weight on her because they can bear it. They can bear it. You know the statement that God would never put more on you can bear. God says, I got a person that can bear a whole lot of stuff. And I need that one. Because they used to being a burden carrier. <laughs> and I need them to carry this burden for their brother and their sister. I need this one because they're strong enough. They can endure enough. They know what it's like to be persecuted and ridiculed. They know what it's like to be talked about. So when they share the gospel, people are going to persecute them and ridicule them when they sound stronger. I can handle that. That's all you got? That's all you got? So the world sees this. The Bible says a cash cares upon the Lord. Quite careful. So I can cast him at his feet. Because he cares for me. But watch. It's not the problem of what you carry. It's not even the problem of how people see what you're carrying. The problem is, is this invisible book sack. <laughs> you know what the invisible book sack is? It's the things that you see about yourself. It's the way you view yourself. It's the way you see yourself. And watch, God sees you otherwise, but you keep saying something different. God says that you're a man and a woman of valor, but you say, oh, God, not me. God sees you the head and you see yourself as the tail. God sees you above and you see yourself as beneath. God sees that you're uh, ahead of things, but you keep moving to the back. The problem is not the way the world sees you. The problem is the way you see yourself. God chose you, but you keep denying the fact that you have been chosen. He says, watch. Remind Peter. Peter, I still choose you. I choose you. I choose you, flaws and all. I choose you. When I have the opportunity, and I'm coming to a close on this point, when I have the opportunity to minister to couples who uh, either through premarital counseling or uh, just troubled marriages, I have them do this thing I call it the face-off. That they would turn to one another and they would make some positive affirmations of one another. And then the conclusion of that moment, I have them make this declaration. I choose you. See, in this moment, they, they, they begin to recite to one another all of the things that they need to fix within themselves to make themselves a better self for their marriage or their relationship. And at the end of it all, their spouse or their future spouse have to look at them and still make a choice. I see your failures, but yet I still choose you. I see your flaws, but I still choose you. You know, that's what Jesus said. I see all your failures and I see your flaws. But I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. Now, here's the thing about a choice. Is that when you choose to make that choice, you're also choosing everything that comes with that choice. When you choose to make that choice for that significant other or that future significant one, when you say, I choose you, 
I choose everything that comes with you. I choose everything that comes with you. Because that's the choice I made. I chose you. It's the same thing God said. When I chose you, I'm choosing all your mess. And everything that come along with it. I choose you. I don't know who this is for today, but maybe you've been struggling in your relationship with Jesus. Guilt and condemnation. Yes, you are guilty of some things. Yes, you stole some stuff. Yes, you lied. Yes, you cheated. You are guilty. But you have to know that he chose you in spite of you. Is that a license to continue doing what you do? No. He said, I chose you because there's something greater for you. If you will make a decision to be chosen, then I'll do far greater in your life than you can ever imagine. Would you bow your heads with me on today? I believe there's someone here today, the guilt and the condemnation that the enemy has placed upon your life has prevented you from moving and operating in the purpose that God has for your life. There's some secret dark sins in your life that you would never verbalize with your own mouth. But they're ingrained in your mind. And every time you go to do right, the image and the visual of what you've done wrong hinders you from doing that. Today, God is breaking that image that you have of yourself so that he can mold you and make you and create in you the likeness and the image of that which he has created so that you can see yourself the way he sees you beautifully and wonderfully made if you're here today you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this is a moment for you or maybe you have and you backslidden the things you've done is holding guilt upon you some of you came in today you're like Lord I'm just here I'm just here Lord I'm I'm just here you're back in a backslidden state, but you know to do right to come to church. But 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 really, you're not really looking for a change because the guilt and the condemnation is preventing you from like moving forward. And, and you're like, I, I, I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm going to pray in a moment. And for those of you who have been holding on to the baggage and carrying all of this weight, we'll give you the opportunity to cast them at his feet. To lay it down at his feet. Because that's what the blood was for. It was to cover. The blood covers. The love of God covers a multitude of sins. His love is made available to you today. Father, now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray in, in this moment that you would touch the hearts of the hearers today. Whether in the sanctuary or whether online, God. That you would reach by your spirit. Reach out beyond the lens of this camera. Reach into the homes reach into the coffee shop, reach into the cars, wherever they are, God, reach into the hearts of those who are present here in the sanctuary and begin to draw them. Your word declares, none come lest the spirit of God draws them. I pray now, even at this moment, you begin to draw. Father, you have covered their sins with the precious blood of Jesus. It's an invitation into everlasting life. And Father, I pray today that they'll receive this invitation. They would declare that Jesus is Lord. If you're here today, and that's you, you hadn't accepted Christ in the part of your sins, maybe you have, and you're backslidden, you know what you've done. 
Don't allow the guilt or the condemnation. Watch this. Don't even allow the judgment of your neighbor to come upon you to prevent you in this moment for accepting Christ. Don't let them become your boulder. Don't let them become the stone that rolls in front of your tomb that prevents you from experiencing Jesus. That's you today. I want you to make a bold declaration. Would you just slip your hand in the air if that's you today? You want to say, I see you. I see you. Hands are going up all over this place. I see you. I see you. I see you. Is there another? Just simply slip it in the air. I see you, man. I see you. Even the babies are lifting their hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your tomb experience. If that's you, just lift it. I see you. Any other? Any other? This has to be a decision, a choice of your own. You have to make the decision. No one else. Grandma prayers can't get you. Grandma prayers got you to this point. But it's now you, yourself, that have to go across the finish line. If that's you today. Slip your hand in there. Thank you, Father. Saints are praying. God, we love you. God, we trust you. God, we give you the glory. Will there be yet another that will make a decision today? In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. All standing to your feet, if you would. For those of you who lifted your hand, you were handed a white card. It's a commitment card. Fill that card out in its entirety. Hand it back to the person who handed it to you before you leave this place today. If you wanted to lift your hand and you didn't, there's still a moment before you leave this building. Let someone know that you want to make that decision. And just like Andrew, the moment that he realized that they found the Messiah, he went and told someone. Don't leave this place today without you telling someone of the decision that you have made. If you're online today, would you hashtag chosen in the box below, signifying that you have chosen to make Jesus the Lord of your life? And if you don't have a church home, for those of you in the sanctuary today, you felt the Spirit of God tugging on your heart to be a part of what God is doing here at Elevate Church. Or maybe you don't have a church home, you're in the midst of transition, you're asking God, God, I need clarity on where I need to be what I need to be connected to the Holy Spirit spoke with you to you today if that's you today would you lift your hand today you don't have a church home but God is, I see you back there is there another that would say today is the day I'm connecting I, I need to connect today I need church home any others today amen amen thank you Lord is there another is there another is there another thank you Father God, we bless you. God, we give you praise. And God, we give you glory. Come on, clap your hands. Give God some praise all over this place. For those of you online today, you can simply text the word JOIN to 225-361-2016 if you yourself would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Elevate Church. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah in this place and give God the greatest praise you can one more last time. In Jesus, Come on, give God some praise one last time. Hallelujah. Listen, before you go again, uh, we want to invite you guys to come and uh, 
and partake in our Kingdom Cafe before you leave. Amen. I think the tent is set up over here to my right, your left on this side over here. And as well, we want you guys to come out and be a part of our Kamioki Night taking place April 29th. Come out and be a part of that. It's going to be an amazing time. We thank God for each of you. If you're here for the first, second, or even third time, uh, today, I would love to meet you, greet you, shake your hand before you leave. I'll be in the foyer. Pastor Adam, if you would, close this out in prayer, sir, uh, if you don't mind. And I'll be in the foyer to greet you on today. Amen. We love you. God bless you. In Jesus' name.